0: Very good morning to each and every one of you. If you have your Bibles with you, you could turn with me to Genesis 18, and I'll ask uh, Dean to read verses 9 to 17. Genesis 18, verses 9 to 17. The last time I spoke to you, I uh, covered the first uh, eight verses, but of course that was... Almost nine or ten months ago, you've probably all forgotten, Uh, but uh, I'm just going to continue from uh, where I left off, and we'll just go down the uh, verses, and then we'll try to draw out some lessons from these verses. So let's read Genesis 18, 9 to 17.
1: Genesis chapter 18, verses 9 to 17 in the King James Version. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Sarah, now, excuse me, now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be when Sarah, after the manner of women, Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child, which I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee, according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he did, and he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. And the men rose up from hence and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? May God bless the reading of his word.
0: Thank you, Dean. The last time we saw that Abraham was uh, having a siesta uh, in the tent door, and suddenly he had visitors, and these three men approached him, and then uh, we saw how Abraham welcomed them into his home, how he went about uh, with great haste to prepare a sumptuous meal for them, and then uh, we see that uh, At the end, uh, after they had finished eating, then uh, they now start to talk. In the Bible, we see that on many occasions, big issues are left to wait until after meals. Uh, For example, Ruth was warned to avoid engaging Boaz until he shall have done eating and drinking. And then... Samuel we notice that he feasted with Saul and after he finished eating that is when he told Saul what was going to happen to his kingdom in the future and then there was the Lord Jesus when he was with the disciples after they had died the Bible tells us in John 21 that he then spoke to Peter about his affection for him and so now we see here that these three men waited until all the hustle and bustle of the meal was over. And then they began to speak to Abraham. Uh, Now I would like to uh, focus on three questions that are asked in this portion of verses from 9 to 17. And these are three questions that it's the Lord who is speaking and he asks. And the first question is found in verse 9. Where is Sarah thy wife? And then uh, question number two is found in verse 13. Wherefore did Sarah laugh? And then the third question that the Lord asks is in found in verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And uh, uh, these are the three questions that I would like us to focus on today. So the first question that uh, is asked is where is Sarah, thy wife? Oftentimes, God asks questions and uh, we mustn't think that he's asking questions because he doesn't know the answer. Uh, You see, God knows all things, the Bible tells us. And Uh, You know, we speak of him as being omniscient, and uh, uh, he knows everything. He can see everything. There is nothing that he doesn't know. So why is it that God is asking this question if he knows everything? You see, uh, these questions that God asks, the reason is he's trying to elicit a response. He's trying to start a conversation. He is trying to bolster men and women in the faith. And there is always a purpose behind when a question is asked by God. For example, there is some examples in the uh, Gospel of John that I'll give you. Uh, John chapter 6 and verse 5. And here we see that the Lord Jesus asked this question. Whence shall we buy bread? Did he not know the answer to this question? Does he have to ask that question? And then uh, the next question, John 11 and verse 34. Where have you laid him? Another question that the Lord asked. Did he not know the answer? And then uh, John 21 and verse 5. Children, have ye any meat? The Lord knew the question answers to all these questions. But uh, he asked the question because he wanted to start a conversation. He wanted to get a response and that would lead him into teaching them. So, uh, Peter, on one occasion, said uh, John 21 and verse 17, Lord, thou knowest all things. Lord, Thou knowest all things. So there is no reason for us to give um, answers to God and that uh, the Lord doesn't know the answers to that question. He is the one who knows everything. But the fact is that in a very normal way, just like us, he conversed with men and women here on earth. And that he would draw them out, uh, these answers out of them so that they could appreciate spiritual matters more. And um, I want to stress that these questions that he asks doesn't impinge on any way on his deity. He is still God. He knows everything. But sometimes he chooses to ask questions. And so he asks this question, where is Sarah, thy wife? Now, Abraham must have wondered, how did this person know the name of my wife? Because he hadn't still uh, uh, said anything that this is Sarah, or we don't read anything about it. But he may have guessed that these three visitors were not ordinary visitors who had just approached his tent. Um, now, uh, sometimes we have memory lapses. We don't uh, remember people's names Uh, But God, he knows everybody's name. There was King uh, Saul. He had memory lapses uh, as far as names were concerned. And then there was um, uh, Samuel. Uh, We can see a very good example from Samuel of how uh, God knows everyone by name. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3 and uh, verses 7 to 10. And uh, this was the incident where uh, Samuel was a young boy, and he was in the temple, and the verse tells us that Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. So he was a young boy, he didn't know God, he, nothing had been revealed to him, verse 8. 1 Samuel 3.8, and the Lord calls Samuel again the third time. You know, he called him the first time, and then he went to Eli, and he said, did you call me? And then he called uh, the second time, and Samuel went to Eli and said, did you call me? And then the Lord called Samuel the third time, and he rose to and went to Eli and said, here am I. Uh, uh, and he said, thou shalt say, um, uh, here am I. And then Eli uh, tells Samuel, go and lie down. And if he shall call you, uh, then you say, uh, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And then uh, Samuel went down and lay in his place. And then 1 Samuel 3 and verse 10. And the Lord came and stood and called his name twice. He said, Samuel, Samuel. So you see, even though they hadn't been acquainted, even though Samuel didn't know the Lord yet, yet. God knew Samuel by name. You remember uh, the Lord Jesus uh, going down the road to Jericho. And at his very first encounter, he knew the chief tax collector by name. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. You see, at this very moment in time, there may be 7 billion people living on this planet. And God knows them all by name. God knows them all by name. Let us be affected by that, that we are uh, uh, we are in the hands of a God who is all-knowing, all-seeing. And so when he asked that question, uh, where is Sarah thy wife? He hadn't, Abraham didn't need to tell him uh, that his wife's name was Sarah. God already knew her, just like he knows us all. And then um, I want you also to notice that Uh, When he asked that question, where is Sarah thy wife? Now, um, our sophisticated Western culture that we live in uh, is quite different from the nomadic lifestyle that Abraham led. And um, Sarah could hardly have been anywhere else. I mean, she would have had to be within the camp. You know, there's no starting up a car and uh, wandering off. Uh, anywhere uh, but um, there is an important lesson to learn from Abraham's response to the question in verse 9 and they said unto him where is Sarah thy wife and he said behold in the tent in the tent you see her home was her sphere of operation that is where she spent her time and her husband expected her to be right there in the tent the word of god encourages uh, young uh, women in titus uh, to be it says keepers at home and i know that these days you know it's difficult for a family to survive um, without having uh, two salaries sometimes coming in uh, but you know that the luxuries that are generated by a second income can never Compensate for the time commitment that a mother should be giving to her children in the home, uh, and it 's a wonderful thing uh, if uh, mothers are able to stay in the tent and look after their families just like uh, uh, Sarah was doing at that time and Then I wanted to notice uh, we uh, move on and um, in The uh, next verse we see that uh, the men start to converse and they say that Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door. And then it also tells us uh, that not only was the promise of a child for Sarah reaffirmed, uh, that uh, we uh, say that in verse 12 it says, Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself. Now, this was not the laugh of a, uh, a um, uh, uh, this was not a, a laugh of a chuckle of unbelief, uh, but uh, rather uh, it was perhaps uh, uh, in uh, shock that a person of a uh, um, hundred years old could have a child. Uh, But we notice that uh, the way she did it, she laughed within herself. It did not affect others. She had no desire to influence others about her doubt of the promise of God. And she kept her misgivings to herself. Now, I would like to point out to you that should there be circumstances in your life that leave you disappointed... Uh, and if the devil's fiery darts manage to get through your armor uh, and leave you uh, reluctant to embrace divine promises, make sure that you avoid allowing your hesitations to stumble others. Like Sarah, if you must laugh, do it within yourself. Don't be someone uh, who is an infectious pessimist who goes around and speaks to others and also tries to discourage others. Sarah, even though she may have had doubts, she kept it uh, within herself. And uh, later on in the Bible, we can see that uh, Peter, in his ministry about uh, uh, Sarah in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, he refers to this incident, but totally ignores Sarah's inconsistency uh, and he gives her credit to be uh, that she is one of the holy women of God who trusted God uh, and for this was just a temporary lapse on her part and uh, it tells us in uh, Hebrews 11 and verse 11 uh, could I have the next slide please Hebrews 11 and verse 11 through faith Sarah conceived received strength to conceive And uh, was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Now, yesterday uh, we were remembering Sally and I was thinking that Sally was one. I heard all what people had to say yesterday and she was certainly one uh, who judged him faithful who had promised. I mean, she believed God. And the promises that he had made, and so because Sally had judged God to be faithful of the promises, she went ahead and she told as many people about God as possible. We heard about her legacy. We heard about how she was an investor in people. Uh, And uh, we heard about how she preferred the hard way, Uh, uh, even though she had a hard part in life yet, She went through with great joy. She did it for God. And uh, the Bible tells us uh, in Hebrews 13 of such people whose faith follow, whose faith follow. And people like Sarah, people like Sally, uh, those who had tremendous faith in God and they took him at his word. These are people whom we must emulate and follow. Sarah believed God. She had the faith. And because she had the faith, she was able to conceive and deliver the child when she was past age. Now, I would also like to uh, point out to you next that there are some uh, who, uh, while they may be Christian wives... Um, uh, you know, may not be totally um, happy uh, with their lot in life. Uh, uh, She was, um, uh, when Sarah was talking here, these were no form of words to please Abraham or to impress others. She was saying it within herself. And then there was no tongue-in-cheek reference to her husband as the boss uh, or anything like that when she was talking to herself. Uh, but she was expressing what was in her heart. But there are others, for example, David's wife, uh, Michael, we see in scripture that in her heart, she despised David. She despised David. So let us be, uh, let Christian wives examine their attitude towards their husbands and does it reflect the demeanor of Sarah or does it reflect the demeanor of Michael? Let us be uh, like Sarah. So many examples from her that can be followed. And then I uh, notice the second question uh, is found in verse 13. And the Lord said unto Abraham, uh, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? Wherefore did Sarah laugh? You see, Abraham was probably unaware that Sarah was listening to the conversation because in verse 10 in verse 10 uh, it tells us that Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him behind him so she he probably didn't know that Sarah was standing uh, behind him and but God knew God knew and God knew what was in Sarah's mind, God knew what was in Sarah's heart. He was able to read it. You see, um, Sarah's doubts had not been publicized. Her thoughts were inaudible. Nobody heard it. But yet, God knew because he was asking the question. You see, uh, in Ezekiel uh, chapter 11 and verse 5, God's message uh, to the people in Ezekiel's day was this. Ezekiel 11 and verse 5. I know the things that come into your mind, every one of them. I know the things that come into your mind, every one of them. Now you see, many things go through our mind. Sometimes our minds are difficult to control. And we think all kinds of terrible things. But we do that thinking, ah, nobody knows what I'm thinking. I could let my mind just wander and think the worst things possible and enjoy it, and nobody knows. But you know, God knows. God can see what is going on in our minds. Just like he knew that Sarah laughed within herself, he also knows all the things that come into your mind every single one of them there was an occasion uh, in mark chapter 2 uh, and verse 6 where uh, he for gave a palsied man and then there was certain scribes there and they were sitting there reasoning in their heart as they watch the lord jesus And then Mark chapter 2 and verse 8, please. And then immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Not one word was said out. They were sitting there looking at the Lord and thinking these things in their mind. But the Lord knew Exactly what was going on in their minds, so let that be a lesson to us that uh, let us be those that are aware of the power of our God. let us be aware that He is uh, able to know exactly what is going on in our hearts and mind. Now, with the mention of her name, Sarah materialised from the door, we can see that in verse 15 Fear had gripped her, and she was quick to deny the charge. Uh, She said, I laugh not. I laugh not. Now, this scenario is constantly played out in human lives. When caught out suddenly and unexpectedly, a surge of dread inside us instantly produces a lie to deny and cover up. Over and over again, this happens, isn't it? But this is a far far cry from the uh, premeditated scheme, for example, that Abraham and Sarah devised, where they would go and say that this is my sister and uh, things like that. This was not like that. This was just an instantaneous lie that she said uh, to cover up. And, uh, um, you know, God hates a lying tongue. Uh, I have mentioned this to you before, I remember, uh, but do you know the, the seven things that God hates most? And uh, we'll have a quick read of that. It's in Proverbs chapter 6, uh, Proverbs 6 and uh, verse 16, uh, Proverbs 6 and verse 16 to 19. Mm, can we have that slide up, please? So, there are seven things that are abomination unto the Lord. Uh, The next verse, verse 17. Proverbs 6, verse 17. Okay, so here are the seven things. A proud look, number one. A lying tongue, number two. Hands that shed innocent blood, that's number three. God hates it. Number four, a heart that devises wicked imaginations. Number five. Feet that be swift in running to mischief. Number six. A false witness that speaketh lies. And number seven. And he that soweth discord among brethren. These are the seven things that are an abomination unto the Lord. And number two on the list is a lying tongue. So uh, may we all... Avoid compounding our sins by telling lies to conceal our guilt, just like Sarah did. You know, it's staggering to think of Sarah's audacity before God. You know, Ananias and Sapphira, they were charged with the same sin. Uh, Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God, it was told to them. And both were struck dead within hours. Uh, But thankfully for Sarah, the Almighty God was quick to silence her in verse 15, he says. That is uh, Genesis 18 and verse 15. Nay, but thou didst laugh, God tells Sarah. And thankfully, she didn't decide to challenge God. Uh, It was uh, this rebuke that God gave Sarah. Actually, uh, this is the only time that I read where God speaks directly to Sarah. They're the only words that we find in the Bible where God spoke directly to Sarah. So it's a real shame that in Genesis 18 and verse 15 that the only words he spoke to her were, nay, that thou didst laugh, that it was a rebuke to her. Uh, but, uh, but they were so incisive uh, and commanding that Sarah made no attempt to prolong the argument and she just stayed in silence. You see, when God speaks in power, mouths are stopped. We cannot say anything. Sarah was learning this very important lesson that I would like us also to learn, that we cannot deceive God. It's not possible to do that. Next, I would like to go to question three in the passage. And question three is found in verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord, anything too hard for the Lord. Now, uh, this question, it, um, it uh, introduces the concept of omnipotence of our God. You see, uh, Sarah's unbelief had prompted this question, and God indicated that he would certainly give Sarah a son, uh, but she did not. Appears so certain. Uh, And God graciously re-emphasized the pledge. And he said, I will return unto thee and give her a son. Now, I would like you to notice that it was God that had not given them a son. Uh, Abraham said uh, in uh, Genesis 15 and verse 3, To me thou hast given no seed. Genesis 15.3 To me thou hast given no seed. So it was God who had blocked giving them a son. And then uh, Sarah put it this way. uh, In Genesis 16 and verse 2, Sarah said, uh, The Lord hath restrained me from bearing. So it was God that was superintending this whole process. And he is the one who had stopped them from having a child. Um, But he had promised that his power was such that he would return and he would remedy the situation. Old age, that wouldn't stop God. A barren womb, that couldn't stop God. The fact that uh, she had gone past the age of women who are able to bear a child. In fact, look at verse 11. Chapter 18, verse 11. Chapter 18, verse 11. And it tells us, And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. It ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So, medically speaking, she couldn't have a child. But none of these things was going to be able to stop our all-powerful God. You see, there is going to, it was going to be proved that there was nothing too hard for our God. You see, God's um, power is such that he can accomplish uh, whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And God indicated that the birth of Isaac will take place According to the time of life. In fact, in verse 10, uh, it tells us, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. God's choosing of the time. And then verse 14, I will return unto thee according to the time of life. You see, uh, and then we read also that uh, he then went on to say it will be about this time next year. God predicted The exact time that uh, Sarah would conceive. So let us believe God's promises. Divine promises are always fulfilled with power, with precision. And then uh, I also want you to notice this. That there are others in the Bible who understood that there is nothing that's too hard for God. Not only was Sarah going to find out. The answer to this question, is anything too hard for God? No. There are others in the Bible, not just Sarah, who found out. Uh, For example, Job, his last recorded words were Job 42 and verse 2. And this is what Job said. I know that thou canst do everything. After all that he had been through, this is what Job's thought was. That God could do everything. And then Jeremiah. Um, when he was shut up in the prison house. He said. There is nothing too hard for thee. There is nothing too hard for thee. And he described God as the great. The mighty God. The Lord of hosts is his name. So my brother, my sister. We are worshipping an all powerful God. Nothing is too hard for him. And then. Uh, um, The rich young ruler, when he was missing salvation, the disciples said, um, who then can be saved? And then uh, only to be told by the Lord Jesus, with God, all things are possible. And then one more example, uh, um, when faced with a situation that was without precedent in human history, uh, that a virgin should bear a son. And that's found in Luke chapter one and verse thirty seven. And Luke one thirty seven she said, For with God nothing shall be impossible. So men and women throughout the Bible, when faced with the greatest trouble in their life, like Job and so on, they were all able to say that with God nothing is Impossible. So, I'm telling you this because I want you to take courage from these incidents. As you encounter what may seem like impossible incidents in your life, as you encounter impossible-like situations in your life, remember these promises. Is anything too hard for God? No. Everything is possible. You know... um, He doesn't always um, exercise his supernatural powers. Uh, For example, James he was martyred, and Peter he was liberated miraculously. So why is it that God allowed James to be martyred, and he liberated Peter? Because after all, God is all powerful, and He's everything is within His grasp. We can do anything. You see, of course he could have saved James, but he chose not to do it. In some circumstances, God allows it, and that's his, he, his sovereign God. It's his own sovereignty. He can choose as he wishes. And he decided that James should get martyred. I will allow it. Who are we to question it? But he has the power. He has the power And he is able to do it. But you know what? When he allows us to go through some situations in our life that are very difficult for us to cope with, and he doesn't miraculously intervene, what does he do? He says, my grace is sufficient for thee. He provides for us a way of escape out of that situation, By giving us ample amounts of his grace so that we can bear whatever he allows to come into our life. And then also I would like to point out that um, the timing, the timing that he uh, was all God's timing. Sometimes, you know, we want to do things and we want things to happen in our lives according to our own timing. But God's timing is always different to our timing. Um, You see, in Abraham's life, uh, according to God's timing, only things happen. And we uh, all need to be sensitive to what is God's timing. Uh, For example, let me give you this example. When the twelve disciples went out preaching, the Lord Jesus instructed them like this. Uh, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 5, Matthew 10 and verse 5. Go ye therefore, uh, and uh, go not into the way of the Gentiles. Go not into the way of the Gentiles. So when he sent them, he said, don't go and preach to the Gentiles. And then later on in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, then he said, go ye therefore, and teach all nations. Why is it that he said, don't go and preach to these people at one point, And then he reversed his decision and said, now go and preach to everyone. He is sovereign God. He can decide when it's the perfect timing and when he wants things done. And we simply have to uh, follow it. Even, for example, we can see when the Lord Jesus went to the cross, the Bible tells us, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. That means when it was God's time only, he sent forth his son. And then it tells us in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. What time? God's time. Yeah. And then you see in these world changing events, God's timing has always been perfect, precise. So let us be content With the timing that he allows for our lives. Sometimes, you know, it may not suit us. Sometimes it may not fit into our plans. But let us be content with the circumstances and the timings that he orders for our lives. Because he is in control. Then, I want you to notice next. So, he was talking to them. And while he was talking to them... He was giving them promises and that I am going to bring you a child. And he came to them uh, with hope. Uh, he brought a message of happiness to Abraham and Sarah. But in verse uh, 16, they finished the conversation and then it tells us, and the men rose up then thence Genesis 18 verse 16. And then it says, and they looked towards Sodom. They looked towards Sodom. You see, here was God focusing on Abraham and Sarah, having a conversation with them. But there was over there in Sodom some great wickedness going on. Do we think that God didn't notice the wickedness that was going on in Sodom? He was happily talking. Then he turned and he looked. You see, God notices, God sees what is going on in this world. not for one moment should we think that he doesn't know what is going on. Oh yes, he notices. He turned and looked. And he looked towards Sodom. You see, the city was inhabited with people who were knowingly and openly rebelling against God. They were doing the worst possible sins in that city. And God had observed their defiance. A time for punishment had arrived. And the messengers that accompanied the Lord, now suddenly they turned their attention to Sodom. You see, God's face shines upon his people in grace. And peace. When we are obeying and doing things. That please him. But. When those who are. Consistently disobeying God. And consistently. Not following the word of God. He will allow only up to a certain level. But if you go on and on and on and sinning. And disobeying God. There will come a time when he will turn, look towards you, and focus on you. And let us be aware of the awesome power that God possesses. And then uh, uh, the, the final uh, verse in our text today, um, uh, verse 17, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which, that thing which I do? Now, what is the meaning of this verse? Why is God saying this? And to understand this, I would like you to very quickly look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 7. Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 7. Uh, When addressing God in prayer, Jehoshaphat, he was the first person to refer to Abraham as, uh, can we have 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 7 please? And he referred to, um, Jehoshaphat referred to Abraham as, Abraham thy friend. He's talking to God and he's saying, Abraham thy friend. Then I want you to look at uh, Isaiah's assessment, and that's found in Isaiah 41, verse 8. And God confirmed what Jehoshaphat was saying in Isaiah 41 and verse 8, and he described uh, Abraham like this. He said, my friend, my friend. So God is saying, yeah, that's correct. Abraham was my friend. So, now, This friendship, I want us to look a little bit more closely into this friendship that God had with Abraham. Uh, James chapter 2 and verse 23 please. James 2 and verse 23. And Abraham believed God and was it was imputed unto him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. So how did this friendship come about where People are saying to God, yes, Abraham is your friend, and God is saying, yes, he is my friend. How did this friendship come about? Because Abraham believed God. And then, to put it into a New Testament context, uh, this is what the Lord Jesus Christ said. John chapter 15, please, Uh, and uh, verse 13, John 15 and verse 13, Uh, greater love hath no man, Then a man lay down his life for his friends. And then verse 14. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever, I command you. So you can become a friend of God, if you do whatsoever God commands. You can be in the same position as Abraham. Verse 15. John 15, 15. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his lord doeth. But I have called you, friends, for all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known unto you. Now focus on that last sentence. For all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known unto you. That means, when you become a friend of God, God will share secrets with you. Whatever he has learned from the Father, he is going to share it with you. All the things that I have heard from the Father, I am going to make it known unto you. Why? Because you are my friend. Because you believe God. Because you are following my commandment. You see. And so now let's go back to uh, our text, Genesis 18 and verse 17. Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Why is God not going to hide it? Because why? Abraham is his friend. Because he is his friend, no secrets from friends. So he shares with Abraham, I am going to go over to Sodom now and I am about to destroy them. Before he does it, he shares it with Abraham. And the next time we look into this portion, then we will be able to see Then Abraham pleads with God, And he says, uh, oh, please, at least can you save so many, at least can you save so many, and so on. And until, you know, uh, Lot was saved. So, my brother, my sister, I'd like to close by encouraging you all to try to be friends with God. If you're going to be friends with God, there's going to be great blessings coming into your life. Believe God, trust God, obey God, follow his commandments. It's very simple. The fact of the matter is most people choose not to do that. But if you do it, because, you know, as we know that promises given in the Bible are true, they will never ever be broken. If you follow this simple step, you can become a friend with God. And he will communicate with you. You can communicate with him. You will, you know what it says in James? If you draw nigh unto him, he will draw nigh unto you. If you draw close to God, he will draw close to you. That's the secret to a, a successful Christian life with the Lord Jesus Christ, with our God. If we follow this simple step, I can assure you, just like Abraham, was blessed so greatly and his kingdom expanded and, you know, you will see in scripture how much Abraham was blessed. You can be blessed. Your family can be blessed. And it would be a wonderful, wonderful thing if God could call you my friend. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, we thank Thee that scripture has been given to us For us to learn from. We thank Thee our Father. For these wonderful characters. In the Bible like Abraham. A friend of God. And we thank Thee our Father. That we would strive to be. Men and women like Sarah. Like Abraham. Who believed our Father. That we would follow their faith our Father. And that we would be similarly. Blessed in our lives. Our Father even as we part now. We pray that Thou would part us. With thy blessings, we ask this in the precious and worthy name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.